Sherman Dilla Thomas, today's guest, is Chicago's black historian, seeking to demonstrate to his daughter the significance African Americans played in the cities and the country's history. He began sharing on social media and developed a following that has mushroomed into a business. He'll share insights about his work and his superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show, where we empower you. Hey, Dilla, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It's so great to see you again. Likewise, very good to see you as well. Uh, Honored to be here. Yeah, you know, you and I had that extraordinary opportunity to visit Israel together with a group of other folks. And uh, I, I certainly felt like the, the best part of that trip for me was making some great new uh, friends that I hope will all be lifelong friends and uh, chief among them is you. It was great to to meet, connect with you and get to know you a little bit on that trip. Um, but you're doing some remarkably important work uh, as a historian in Chicago. And you kind of came about this in, in an interesting Dare I say, almost it seems like accidental way. Tell us about how you became Chicago's urban historian. Yeah, that's a uh, very excellent question. And, and it's, it's, it seems very accidental the more I think about it. But um, I think it started with just like a, a sense of uh, civic pride and ego. Um, my daughter now is 10, but at the time she was eight. And uh, we were all stuck in the house and uh, it was right, right at the start of the lockdowns and stuff too and so she wanted to join tiktok and my uh, my wife and the rest of the family's like hey she's way too young like don't let her um and i've always been a parent the type of parent to um you know not be so fast with the no because if my answer's no it's gonna be no anyway so i might as well hear you out and um we came to the solution where I'll put TikTok on my phone and when she was with me or if she wanted to use it, she could use it on my phone. That way I could go behind her. And uh, one of the days she was using my TikTok, I overheard someone discussing Chicago and they were making mention of like one of the gang shootings. And while I find that to, to not be my sort of Chicago history, it is history. Um, but at the end of his video, he made it as if that was the only history that Chicago has had to offer the world. And in an arrogance to that, I was trying to convince my daughter to, to tell Chicago stories on uh, on my page. And she, she didn't think it was a good idea. So I started to tell those Chicago stories and uh, it's, it's taken off. Wow. It, it's amazing. And, you know, just in our chats in, in Israel, we uh, I heard some amazing things. What are some of the... Th- things you most like to brag about, about Chicago? Oh, that's a, uh, I always like bragging about Chicago much more than I like bragging about anything else. So um, I'm in love with the notion that Chicago as a city gave the world what we consider gospel music today, right? It, it, it doesn't matter what any person's religious denomination is. There's a gospel song that they love and that's touched them or that uh, means something to them and their family. Uh, so as Chicago comes up with that concept, Chicago gives us uh, what we refer to as skyscrapers. Uh, Chicago also gives us, um, you know, di- varying cuisines, right? Like Italian uh, beefs or deep dish pizza, but then a lot of civic kind of uh, and civil rights organizations too, right? Like the Harlem Globetrotters, uh, we don't consider a civil rights organization, but they, they needed to form because African-Americans were excluded from professional basketball. And, 
um, you know, contrary to popular belief, they're from Chicago. Uh, so that open heart surgery, the world's first, uh, the Western Hemisphere's first planetary. We'd we be here all day. I started telling you about Chicago. <laughs> well, a lot of your focus has been on what the African-American community brings to Chicago and to the world via Chicago. Uh what do you see as some great, some of your favorite examples of that aspect of Chicago history? Oh, um, the, it, it spans the gambit, right? Some of my, my favorite aspects of the contributions from African-Americans from Chicago to the world, you know, start with the fireman's pole. Um, you know, firefighters from all over the world now slide down a pole to respond to fires. And that concept comes from Black firemen in Chicago right about 1874. And the speed of which that gets you to the truck or horse has saved thousands, if not millions of lives now versus everyone taking the stairs, right? And that, you know, most people don't know that that's a concept that comes from African-Americans in Chicago. Um, that as well as um, open heart surgery, right? The first uh, successful open heart surgery, uh, argumentatively, is Dr. Daniel Hill Williams uh, performing that open heart surgery in 1893. And, he uh, not only is a black doctor that did it, but he did it in the world's first black hospital founded by and for African-Americans. So, so those are just some I'm very proud of. Wow. It, it really is kind of a remarkable history, a great, a great legacy that, frankly, a lot of us are not aware of outside of Chicago. Um, you now have kind of built a, a real business around this. Uh, you've got a, a van, you do tours, all kinds of stuff. Tell us a little bit about the business. Yeah, we start. Uh, so uh, coming out of starting to, you know, I, I would say the joint TikTok with my daughter that eventually just became mine. Uh, it dawned on me that people would want to see the spaces that I was telling them about, right? I could on TikTok do a 60 second story about Ida B. Wells, this house on the south side of Chicago. Um, but then because of things like restrictive racial covenants and uh, the policies of redlining, it hit me that all these amazing black sites are blocks from each other because African-Americans in Chicago had to live in this one area called the Black Belt for, you know, half a century, if not longer. And um, a lot of times I, I love how you frame it because it isn't just black history. It's uh, American history that has been contributed to and by uh, African-American. So that's the way we frame it on the tours. We take uh, people by, yes, of course, we want to activate, you know, uh, Black pride amongst uh, African-Americans, but we want people to, who love rock and roll, right, who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves a person who uh, is into Black history to say, oh my God, wait, you're right, Bo Diddley is one of the first people to kind of speed up the way we play the guitar. And, oh, he went to this Southside High School, right? So, uh, we're showing people that, and then our main purpose of that is that we believe that tourism and perspective changing changes spaces. And so in some areas where there are high gang violence or, or, or drug violence or just any of the socioeconomic things that are going on, we feel like we're able to show corporations, schools, municipalities that there's still intrinsic value on the South and West side. And we do that through the tours, right? In, in the same place as a black church today. You know, the example I show people, um, which really kind of touched me nowadays is that I take people by what's today called Stone Temple. Uh, it's a Baptist church that Dr. King preached in when he lived in Chicago in 1966. But before it was a Baptist uh, church, it was the first 
uh, Romanian congregation, and it was a Jewish synagogue. And when Romania was his own sovereignty, the queen of Romania came to Chicago and she she had a Sabbath service there, Sabbath service, right? Uh, at the same place, uh, Queen of Romania said, you know, Dr. King preached, right? And it's in a black neighborhood. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of those kids didn't know that. So uh, we teach people those things on our tours. And it, and it has become a very successful uh, business. People who come to Chicago, they want to see where Muddy Waters lived and uh, where Shaka Khan went to high school, right? These are things that we... we that make America awesome. And so um, yeah. I love that it's, it's a business, yes, but it's more of a mission nowadays for me to change the perspective. One of the things that I found intriguing is uh, when we were in Israel, you chatted with us a little bit about some of the connections between the Jewish community and the Black community. And they were things that were new to me that I hadn't heard before. Um I wonder if you can remind me a couple of those. Oh, yeah, two of those stories. Well, just just speaking maybe about one of them just a few moments ago. <clears throat> During Great Migration, African-Americans were coming from the South to the North. They could perform in things like tan clubs. And very, very, very few record labels would record what they call race records, right? And it was more considered a novelty. Um, and at the same time, though, Jewish Americans were being denied employment at, at steel mills and other places. And so they start to form their own companies because they can't get hired. And one of the companies they start to form is record companies. And if you, if you start a record company, you're going to need talent. And whereas other ethnic groups would not sign Black acts, uh, those early Jewish record companies would. One I'm thinking about is uh, Chess Records. Uh, which gives us Earth the Kid, How the Wolf, and so many other people. And it was a, a symbiotic relationship. Also, um, pre-World War I uh, and even afterwards, you, you had a lot of uh, Jews from Poland, Jews from Russia, Jews from Germany uh, coming, in Chicago, coming to Chicago and other cities, and they would move into what was the oldest section of town. Right. And again, because of discrimination and other things, people wouldn't rent to them. Um, and then as they start to find their place in the American stru economic structure, they're able to leave what was formerly the poorest neighborhoods. And at that same time, it's African-Americans coming from the South and they're moving into those spaces. But they're not um, it's not being done in a predatory manner. Right, the, the very few black homeowners in the in the in the northern cities in the 1910s and 1920s, sure enough, had a Jewish friend buy that house for them or, or work as an agent, right? And so I was very symbiotic, right? The um through togetherness, right? Jewish individuals could start companies, right? They could go to their synagogue, their neighborhoods, and gain the capital to start the company, but we need a workforce, or if it's gonna be an entertainment, you know, we like to. Um, terribly since Kanye, right? He likes to say the Jews run the media company when in fact they just started companies because people wouldn't hire them as actors. Uh, but then once you stop being an actor and you start the production company, now you need actors. And so they also were some of the first to hire uh, minority groups as actors. So it's been a very symbiotic relationship when it's, when it's uh, working the proper way. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, uh, Dilla, you've, you've got such a great thing going it's just really kind of amazing how you've built this business and i i can just sort of dream and imagine where you're headed with this uh and the oh, influence man. you have 
It's exciting. Um, we're, it's, exciting. It's, it's, it's humbling. We're, uh, we're in conversation right now to start a micro museum on the south side of Chicago where we're going to hire people from south side neighborhoods. And the, the fact that I'm like looking for a site is, is, is uh, brings me to tears sometimes, right? You know, being a historian, we're naturally very sensitive because to accurately tell a person's story, you got to feel it. And so yeah. it's, uh, it's almost a, I, I've stopped calling it a burden, but the amount of strength it takes as a historian to um, be in a space and not be physically and physiologically moved by the spaces is really, really hard work. But that lets me know I care, right? And yeah. if you're operating out of carrier, you're in uh, uh, a pretty good space. And so operating out of care, we were able to purchase a 48 passenger bus. The, all those Chicago professional sports teams chipped in. Everybody gave us 25 grand to go buy this thing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just, there's a guy by the name of Thomas Lynn. He's a actor and writer. He wrote Night at the Museum. Uh, a lot of people may know him from Reno 911. He was Lieutenant Short Shorts and a number of other things. And, and just from watching my TikToks, he's reached out to me and thought I'd be a pretty good partner to write a script for a piloted show, right? So we're, we're in those negotiations, which is uh, astonishing. Um, I'm doing a lot of traveling and, and, and speaking to, to different venues. NASCAR is coming to Chicago. I want to be a part of the Open. Uh, all because I'm, I'm uh, promoting and pushing exclusivity in Chicago. It's, it's humbling. Oh, that's great. That's just great. Well, I, I congratulate you. W with all this going on, what do you see as your superpower? Oh, <laughs> um, that's a great question. I, I, I sincerely think my ability to connect us all via the past is my superpower. I think at, uh, at every turn, we've always needed each other. Uh, human beings of all races and all ethnicities. And at sometimes uh, during the course of human existence, something was a common thing that men did or people did that, that uh, may have sucked. There's always like a person in that that thought that that did suck and they were the one that pushed forward for that to stop happening, right? You know, um, and it's across all spectrums. And a lot of times those stories can be found when we look through the history of those things. And um, so, yeah, that's my superpower. I've been able to have folks who, I would consider very far right and conservative and almost, you know, black people go back to Africa. And when they get off the boat, I mean, they get off the bus, they say, you know, y'all ain't that bad. Right. I've uh, had very um, people felt strongly about Jewish folks, um, you know, on the tours. And when I showed them that today is called Mount Pisgah Missionary Baptist Church, but it used to be the CAM congregation. It was the largest Jewish congregation in the city. And when that neighborhood demographic was shifting, they sold the property to the black church. But not only did they not price gouge, the rabbi was like, hey, I want to come back a couple of uh, Sundays a year to pray with you guys, if that's okay. And then not just that, but like when they sold the building, they were like, hey, in this shed is where we keep the backup nails and screws and stuff, right? Like, and then this is who we've always called about our plumbing. This is who we've always called about this. He knows this building like the back of his hand. And it was more of a handover than 
uh, a sale. And so because of that, the people at Mount Pisgah promised to never cover up the Stars of David or the original name of the congregation on the front of the church now. And it's hard to physically be in front of that and see that and not really believe in people. Like you're at that point fighting to, to not believe in the, in the humanity within us. And I, I think helping us yeah. find that is my superpower. Yeah. Wow. What a great superpower. As you think about that superpower of finding the humanity in people, I wonder if you can think of uh, uh, another example that to illustrate that where, where you're kind of proud of how you played a role in helping people discover that humanity. Um, to date, the most proudest thing I am, I'm try really, really hard not to cry. There's a 102-year-old historian. Uh, he recently passed away about two years ago. His name is Tamil Black. And I was discussing him as one of the Black liberators when we were at Yah Vashem. And uh, so he's 102, and the, the signs start to come. He needs to go into hospice. And so his wife was like, hey, we're struggling. Um, very, very, very prideful people. They were like, hey, you know, we could use a little fundraising boost if you could put it on your social media channel. And so here's this man that's the first person ever to bring Dr. King to Chicago. Uh, the, he's the only person who could get the founders of many of the Chicago street gangs to sit out at the table because he was many of their teachers when uh, they were growing up. Uh, immensely respected by everybody, but he had the misfortune of living to be 100. What do I mean by that? Well, he retired as a teacher when he was like 68. And so I don't know if folks understand how pensions and savings work, but when most of us retire in our 60s, your very best retirement plan is only for you to live to be 90, right? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't equate for you to make it to 102. And so what's the standard of living at a pension you got in your 60s that all, went all the way 40 years, right? It, it was nothing. Uh, people didn't understand that once you turn 80, they drop you from term life. You have to reapply to get whole life. Try to get a life insurance policy at 95 and see, you might as well not, right? It's going to cost you what a funeral and burial and everything else will cost you just in starting it because they know you got less time. And so when I was asking people to put this on their social media, that was their pushback. Well, why didn't he have insurance? When he was 102, they were not planning for that. They absolutely was planning for that, but there's no planning for being 102. And anyway, uh, for the next two weeks, I dedicated my social media channel to shaming anyone who wouldn't put out the thing. Uh, black radio stations, white radio stations, sports radio stations, whenever they needed a black talking head to pop up and say something historical, they called him. And then in his family's time of need, they wouldn't. And anyway, after um, my shaming of folks for about a week, uh, every radio station in the city invited me on to drop the link. All the TV stations in the city did. And his, the last thing his wife was able to say to him before she passed away was that they raised about 200000 for us. And so now she gets to sit and be a widow of a very worthy person. Uh, and they didn't have any financial burden with this hospice. So that's the most proudest thing I've ever done in my life. That's amazing. That's amazing. I. I... Congratulations. Uh, but I can see how your ability to see the humanity in that and champion that uh, really uh, changed lives and made a difference. 
if you were stepping back and, and saying, um, I want to help someone else. I want to help Devin, for instance. Devin, I, so help me. Help me learn to see, feel, discover, and share that humanity in the way that you do. How, how would you coach me to develop that superpower? Um, that's a very excellent question. <clears throat> I think to develop the superpower to uh, find the humanity and the stories in us all, I would um, teach people first to find it in themselves and them and their families, and their uh, local communities. And there is a uh, uh, always a, a, a shared moment of of origin that. Uh, everyone benefited from, right? Sometimes there are in moments of um, what seems like disaster, right? And so a place like Chicago, which has always been very residentially segregated today, is the second most residentially segregated uh, place in the city. Instead of trying to convince people to go live in Black neighborhoods and desegregate, I, I explained to them how uh, during the Great Chicago Fire, about 100,000 people became homeless instantly because 85% of the city burned. And it was a combination of the newly arriving folks from Ireland who had survived the potato famine and knew how to stretch food, right? And then it was the newly freed African-Americans who had just arrived coming out of the 1865 end of the Civil War who also knew how to um, cook the wasteful things, right, that people threw away. And so together, what is normally a, uh, a rivalry of ethnic groups in a lot of urban cities came together and saved Chicago. But because of who they were, we don't have those, that, that's not the, we, we've across America, the great city of Chicago burned and all the architects came and rebuilt the city and, and now it's Chicago. And there's no mention that poor Irish and poor African-Americans uh, got together and showed the rest of the city how to survive on nothing until the city could be rebuilt. And if you're a person of Irish descent, that in 2023 uh, doesn't necessarily like what you see as it relates to the Black community. I, I hope that hearing that story makes you, makes you well, at least make that the starting point, right, as opposed to today. And so that's that's typically how I coach anyone, right? Like to look for that intersectionality of what you care about and find it in another place. And then automatically it's going to change your perspective about that other place. Yeah, wow, that is profound. That is that is so actionable and has such deep reaching re, deep reaching implications. That's really I, I love that coaching. Uh, Dilla, thank you. Well, Dilla, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It's just been so great catching up with you. Now, before we wrap up, would you take a minute, take all the time you want, tell people how they can, you know, book a tour, tell people how they can find your TikTok, or your your Twitter, your Insta, you know, yeah, LinkedIn, wherever you are, tell, way, tell them all this stuff. Yeah, the, the best way to explain anything is a story, though. So my name is Dilla, D-I-L-L-A. My mom said I reminded her of the used car dealers of the world, meaning that I could sell her any piece of crap and she would buy it. So she would call me her Sherm dealer, D E 
D-I-A-L-E-R, but when my friends got a hold of it, it shifted to D-I-L-L-A, as, as your friends will do. And then, so my username online is Six Figure Dilla, the number six, F-I-G-G-A underscore Dilla. And I did that because uh, my day job, I'm an area operator for the utility company here in Chicago. Uh, and the starting pay when I got the promotion was $54 an hour. And so if you do that quick math, it's like 109 or something like that annual salary. And uh, I remember my dad telling me when I was a kid, like less than 10 percent of all black men in this country will make six figures. And so as an ode to him and as an inspiration to kids that, you know, you can work a trade job and get to six figures. So that's why that's my name, Six Figure Dilla. Uh, so you can find me online at that handle, the number six, F-I-G-G-A underscore D-I-L-L-A. You can book tours that way via my uh, instant messenger, or you can go to our website, which is chicagomahogany.com, Chicago, M-A-H-O-G-A-N-Y.com, uh, to book neighborhood tours, speaking engagements, or just to learn a little bit more about Chicago. Fantastic. Well, Dilla, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, you know, I love Chicago, and I want to see you succeed in all your great work, especially highlighting the noble, great traditions and sometimes forgotten history of great Black people in America, especially in Chicago. I want to see you well, succeed thank you. with that. I appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, opening up your audience uh, to to a uh, Black historian with locks, right? That, even that aesthetic is changing people's perspectives. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Now, let's do some good. Yes, sir. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.